gotta be you gotta be sharp because you never know when it's gonna engage. And, well, hi there. Welcome. I'm Jeff Mater. I'm uh, the host here of Deep Space Nine at nine oh nine. Not to be confused with the one after nine oh nine. But I digress. We're talking about the first episode, guys, of season three. We're finally here into good Deep Space Nine. It's part one and part two. We're covering it both here. We're breaking it down. It's been over since. <laughs> I love this start. It's great. Okay. Well, just like taking over. Uh, well, I'm Dave there. Here. Slide him on it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sliding on in here, Jeff, to help you out and talk about season Thank three, you. D Space Nine and Nine. I know you're excited. I'm uh, excited. And, new uniforms. Uh, new uniforms, new comm badges. Uh, people are more confident. It's very exciting. Right. We are also going to bring in uh, one half of the tag team couple, Kev Lard. <laughs> this is like when one of the Bushwhackers was in the Royal Rumble. Is this like kind of like... Yes, the, that's exactly. Or one of the, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can you name both? It's like This is when, like, when yeah, Marty Jannetty went solo. <laughs> is that what it? Oh no! Yes, no, no, exactly no, like that. Or is it more like with Shawn Michaels? We'll have to see. You know, uh, who is oh, the no, Marty? The Ashley's the Shawn Michaels. She's the Shawn Michaels. She's the <laughs> the HBK. Okay. Yeah. All right. And definitely. Right. Um, <laughs> and 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 finally, we will bring in our final guest. He hasn't joined us in a few episodes. I think uh, this is was he in the last one? I don't remember. Was that Jamil Robinson? I think he was there, Jeff. It was the ones before. The last oh, one, there. no. Was there. He had a catastrophic failure of his computer last week. True. That's right. That's right. Thank you, Kevin, for um, he didn't have a Ryan there. And now we can't say. Do you see Jamil, Dave? Because I don't see Jamil. I see him. I do. I do not. Refresh, Jeff. I think you a need a refresh. Too dark in here. <laughs> I didn't think it was Should have ordered the white one. All right. <laughs> All right, so Kevin, since uh, you're now in that top spot, you have oh, oh there's Jeff. Okay. Uh, oh, but now now you're. Now I'm you're in the bottom. That's fine. I'm okay with the bottom corner because we're here talking about the search. Um, okay, oh my God, so, Jeff, you're like in the submarine or something. <laughs> Let's go down with your microphone. Oh, oh, that's right. Oh, my microphone goes to the camera. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> that better. Yeah, yes. Yeah. That's much better. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that that's my camera. Night and day. I would, I would say it was it was very bad. Is it very bad? It's pretty bad. It's well, good bad to know they built them good on Nexago cameras. Uh all I heard in the reviews on Amazon there, Jamil, was uh was just good I good I no uh, uh good microphone. Why you're asking me about anything? Oh, I I just was. You were the newest just person into the chat. I was conversation. I was just making conversation. Just conversation I, charter. I do not formally um, have any ties to that organization. That's on record. <laughs> you owns no yeah. stocks. Okay. Uh, no stock. No affiliation whatsoever. Um, okay. So my quick. I'm gonna give my quick analysis of both these episodes. Do you have got a like question? My first start off the, uh, tonight already. Oh, we have a question already. What's a, what's the question? Before we even dive into the, I think we have to hit the the questions. Okay, because <laughs> we have one. Um, will Bring Avery it. Brooks come back as Cisco like Patrick Stewart did? Survey says no. 
No. No. Yes, the hawk I don't think will come so. back. I want the I, hawk to come back, but I just think... I would say never say never. I don't think it's impossible, but sure. I think it's, it's not impossible. Unlikely. But I just know very unlikely. I think, Which show the, think these two episodes tonight reminded me reminded me how important Odo is to the Deep Space Nine universe. And without bringing him back in some way, I think as well. I mean, you don't need to, but I just think the, the cast is kind of incomplete to bring Cisco back. They could do it, um, but Cisco's, uh, you know, we haven't even got to season seven yet, but uh, to get to, to get him to come back, I think would be I think Awkward. I think um, uh, with the death of Rene Auberjonois and with Aaron Eisenberg as well, and um, and and just the fact that Avery Brooks is not really in the acting game anymore, I just don't think you'll ever see that crew reunited quite um, like in in the way like the next gen crew did or the original series got to, like go to the movies or have some sort of like some sort of um, other thing. I think you're more likely we'll see them. Uh, like kind of like seven of nine, Jerry Ryan end up in things like Picard. I think you're going to see those characters again, some of them. Yeah, but you could not. maybe see Akira. You know, yeah, yeah I again. think you're, you're, you could see Bashir come along. I think a lot of these characters could could come back, um, even Cisco. But but to come back as a crew, to come back as the Deep Space Niners, um, when like you can't bring back Terry Farrell, and so there's there's that too. Not that she wasn't there till the you know, the end anyway, but. It's just I don't know. I, it's kind of a weird. It's it. Outside of anyone who's dead, anyone could come back. If there's sure, money involved, sure. money on the table that they see that they can they can make, they're like, uh, well, we we slipped through this uh, black hole and we're in this pocket, you know, time travel dimension business. And oh look, it's this specific group of people at this specific time. And um, everyone's alive that you wanted to make money off of. That's the great news about television. <laughs> I think I think if, if Avery Brooks was to come back, it would be like Dave was saying, it would be an episode of some other show. Like it wouldn't be. Yeah, I, oh, right. I think if you're gonna bring him back, it's more likely to be like a, a one-off project, like a like a movie or something that's uh, or, or, an, guest or an episode of a card. Or but something you're like right. That. If yeah. if they threw enough money at Avery Brooks, I'm sure he would do whatever that you know. And and a lot of these actors would come back if they if the, if 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 it was lucrative. But um, I'm not so sure. I don't even think it's money. I think they if they just let him do some jazz, he'd come back. He's like, as long as they get to play piano. Uh, they, they could like a cool idea would be like to do a deep space time movie and like like because then you could just like have like they need to bring cisco back from the dead to the prophets or something to solve some sort of problem and that'd be a good movie or something he's not like dead that. you know spoilers but he never he, his character's not dead like he just went off into the whatever that's we're gonna talk about that in a couple of years when we get to the finale <laughs> where's cisco's ultimate fate i say two things uh, Either Lower Decks or Discovery. Yeah. More likely Lower Decks, I think, where he could just do a voice. Yeah. Do a voice yeah, I think play that's... piano for like the entire episode oh, in the background. Yeah. I want to know what the hell is going on. <laughs> that was tonight. That was in this. I want to know what the hell is going on. I want to know what my Chief O'Brien's been beat to a pulp. The Jebedar who <laughs> did it is walking free. How'd this happen? Jeff Rosen again? Planting some seeds about how Looks like it. some characters who are uh, later on in this um, this season 
um, how grimy they are in actual real life. Just saying. Um, I, can you elaborate? I'm not sure what you mean. <laughs> Eddington. <coughs> oh, Eddington. Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, while Jeff, we're waiting for Jeff to reconnect. Okay. There's so much to talk about, guys, in this two-parter. A very interesting way to start the season. Oh, wait. There's Jeff. He's, he's back. There's two windows open, Jeff. Okay. There you go. I don't know why I did that. And your microphone is. <laughs> two microphones. And every time I'm about to take like charge here, he's like he's back. Okay. Okay. I don't know why it, I don't know why it automatically goes to your camera every time. You can't change that apparently because yeah, you can. Sucks you can change a default. Somewhere. You can change default cameras and microphones. Where? But, well, in your system. Well, we could we'll we figure, could have that. I'll we'll figure it out later. After we have that talk later. <laughs> after our. We're really going off the rails here. We're going to talk about the search. Okay, let's talk about this. The, the opening scene of this episode is so good. The everything like is introduced so quickly, but so well. Basically, he's talking about the 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 the, the whole reason for the defiant that they created it to uh, to go against the Borg. It's so powerful that it almost that's not the opening blew scene. The ship apart. That's pretty much opening scene, is it? Well, no, the opening scene is where they decloak, right? And well, it's this whole like no, it's smirk at the end. It's it's Kira talking to um, basically to O'Brien, Bashir, and Dax about how yeah we ran the scenarios. If the Dominion attacks, we're done. We're we're overwhelmed in two hours. O'Brien's like that's that's ambitious, but Jeff, like right off the bat, you're whammed in the face with what new combatges. And that's really the most important thing. And well, and a new hairdo for Dax. I knew Dax in this hairdo is something else. It is distracting in this episode. Like, why do you want to give her the Janeway just to see like if it'll look good on Janeway? And then you know, I think that's this what is happened. the craziest I think uh Dax's hair ever looks in this entire show. I don't even know how if how much into season three we're going to be dealing with this, but I'm I don't even have a photo of it. I, it, but. it is kind of ridiculous that it's th- oh, like you're in the third season and you're like, this hair still isn't working. Like, it's wor- like her hair. Okay, you can see it here. This is this opening scene where they're yeah, and Odo's also right. present, not really doing much. He's just but shaking his head, you know, shaking yeah. his head and kind well, of. Well, nobody's off. getting shot, so he's got no one to stand beside. Yeah, but right. he, well, and I, I, I talked about those com badges, and we talked about Dax's new hairdo. But Jeff, what about that collar on Odo and the belt? I don't care. Uh, you well, know, really, I mean, uh, the majority uniform watch. Dave, the Bajoran uniforms really are just kind of ugly in general. So they kind of look like they're wearing like. Odo's got the nicest one. Odo has the nicest one. Yeah. Oh, okay. Good, but... In all fairness, I think that this is a this isn't the A costume or it's uniform. Sorry, this is the B uniform because typically. It's a lot more form fitting on um, uh, Nana Vista. And this is looking like she's wearing pajamas. Right? This, this looks extremely unflattering. This is the B costume. The other ones uh, in the cleaners. Possibly. Look at Wait, it. Who's, who's the B costume? What, where are you going? What are you saying? I'm saying that costume is the B costume. Like they have different you know, costumes, they have the A1, and then they probably mm-hmm. have the B1 for like oh. wide shots where it's at a distance. This is extremely unflattering. 
typically it's a lot more form fitting. This is the B costume. So the one the one that Nana Visitor gets later on, the one that doesn't have like these weird shoulder things, though it's it just looks like that red kind of one piece. That looked the best on her. The, she has that kind of from season five on, basically. Um, except for the time she wore the the Starfleet uniform. But yes, but like it's kind of it's but I think it's important because I feel like the show. This is like the show starting to become its own thing, right? This is its first season fully without next gen in its shadow. Uh, Voyager has won't start for another six months, so this is kind of that we're in these like in this area era of Deep Space Nine where they're the only De- Star Trek show on TV, and so right. little things like costume changes, I think, and even hair changes, um, I think I think are have some significance. They're on Dave Watch, is what you're saying. Dave Watch, Dave Watch. He breaks down all the hairdos and accessories <laughs> and uniforms. Dave, watch. Whether you want him to or whether, not. Whether you want it or not, he's coming. <laughs> well, does, yeah. Does O'Brien yeah. have a funkier accent? Dave, talk. He's here. Well, beyond, beyond just... Oh, there. Jeez. <laughs> Beyond just uniforms and hairdos and whatever, we also have a new ship, a new set, the Defiant. Yes, we do. Yeah, Jeff, we have the Defiant now, too. Yes, the, yes. and Cisco shows up. He's like, "I have a surprise for the Defiant," and he's very impressed with himself. Device. He gives a little smirk to Kira. Well, what's your reaction to this? A Federation ship with a cloaking device? How cool! Oh, uh, I guess yes. It was very cool at the time. I'm sure it was. Um, it, it, it's funny that we have Seska playing the Romulan. That's fun. Yes, Martha Hackett uh, in the role of what's her name? A uh, Taru or something? This character? Taral or Tarul? Sub commander, sub commander, whatever. They, I, I had a feeling like they were going to try to make her like a recurring character, like she was going to be a permanent Romulan yeah. crew member or something. They, cl- they clearly liked the actress and they used her again. I was like, I know the actress. I had to look it up. I was like, I know who that is. I'm like, why do I? Know I didn't find out until this week that this, yeah, this is Seska from Voyager as well, Martha Hackett. Um, and she's great. Like she's got, she's got one of those voices and she was, uh, she knows how to play the star Trek role. And she even having a, a Romulan member on your bridge crew that we see in this two parter is kind of really neat. Like seeing how that, and also a Bajoran officer. So an integrated crew. Um, right. Uh, okay. So the opening scene that I was talking about after the credits, um, where Cisco's breaking down what the Defiant is, why it was built. And we get a lot of different moments too, where we get uh, uh, Eddington walk in, and we get the Seska to rule walk in, and we just get the Odo, the disgruntled Odo. Um, I like disgruntled Odo. I enjoyed that. I this whole scene I love, like everything about it, like especially like when like Odo figures out what's going on, and then, like Cisco's like, "Okay, everybody, dismiss, get the hell out of here." Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> like. The real meeting's happening at 1800 hours. This was just the prelude to the actual real meeting. Well, Jeff, you, you yada yada over Eddington. What about Eddington? Well, yeah, Eddington walks in. That's what I was talking about. Is, yeah, Eddington walks in. And uh, my favorite part was, like, you know, Oda's like, what the hell are you doing here? And then he, like, that's when someone kind of saves him. He didn't even answer him. He just walks out. <laughs> that's my favorite part. He's just like, all right. <laughs> He's like, what's your rule anyway? here? He's like, I'm Starfleet security. He's like, mm hmm. Yeah, um, he's, like, well, he's like, I'm head of security for the station. 
I have a question for Kevin because when Eddington was introduced, uh, and mm -hmm. because we had talked about this last time that you were watching the show at the at the time, but I was not. I don't, and maybe Jamil was. Sorry, but um, do you? What did you think of Eddington when he came in? What did would you know? Did you think he would be a? I never character? would have thought he would have been a main character. He is awful. Just <laughs> awful. Just cannon fodder i thought he was he's canadian yeah. he's, he's kind of like if chandler was a starfleet officer you know like he's, <laughs> that's kind of what he's like you know he's just kind of always giving like a wink and a nod he's kind of got a sarcastic comment to say about almost everything and he's really not doing his job he's uh, 90s everyman you know he's uh <laughs> yeah he's a 90s everyman he literally could have walked over and done the friends or seinfeld and and, and you know, he, really just, he really should have just been this episode like he yeah. should have just died in this episode. You don't like the yeah. whole Eddington storyline? You don't like him in it? Javert. Um, oh my god, I can't believe I'm going to have to listen to him say Javert 300 fucking times again. <laughs> so yeah, he's, Kevin's not a fan of this character. I am not. It's, it's not a good character. But I love this he, character. I he's think great. he... I think, okay, what this episode is doing so, so, so well is setting up a whole bunch of different storylines all within one episode right dave well i think so right because we get the romulan character which is and we get, we get there's so much going on in this two-part it's jam-packed although i think from a rewatch standpoint it's kind of like it's a bit of a mess but it's but it's also like we're reinventing the show we're throwing the defiant at you we got a romulan character who's this new starfleet officer character what's he going to be about and obviously like the big reveal with odo and he's finally found you know what his species is and we know um, what the dominion is by the, and the end. dominion which is the, yeah. the obviously the big thing but there's so what what gets buried is is sassy bashir yes sassy he's bashir. he's channeling his inner bones and complaining about sick bay the whole time yes he insults quark <laughs> and then that's just the goes line yeah, and that's insulted the you that, <laughs> like, that was that was that was the, the best line. I should be named the White sure. Kevin. Who's the White Kevin? <laughs> when he, yeah, that that line he throws a cork is awesome. KK man, KK. <laughs> and and the whole scene that we get with Cork and Cisco with the Nagus stick, and he's like, "Aren't you forgetting something?" And he gets him to come kiss it, and just there's so many fun moments in this episode. In the first half, I thought the first half was superior to the second half. I don't know about you. Look at this shot. Look at Cisco. What a smug ass face. I, how smug? <laughs> this is Cisco easily at his smuggest. He could have just replicated that, couldn't he? I don't know. Like they they were trying to give the. the like I think this is the end of anything great between Cisco and Quark because I don't remember them at many any great moments after this episode. For <laughs> really, Quark didn't um, trust him anymore. He found out that that was a fake, and he got a yeah. But they 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 do try to have a number of crossovers. Jeff, you're right. Like they they have uh, well, obviously Odo. There's there's Odo and Cisco, but there's also Odo and Kira. There's Cisco and there's well, there's Quark and Odo in parts of this. There's Dax and Cisco. Yeah, um, uh, Jake Cisco scene. They, you know, Jake, Jake, he wants some of that pudding, that spice pudding. Yeah, and he, he keeps um, ordering it. And yeah, every replicator, he can't bed. get a decent bowl on earth of that yep. spice pudding. And his dad, you know, has 2000 year old African art, you know. Yeah, he brought the we got the uh, the art collection out, and so it's uh, it's home now, which it's I think is significant because I feel like yeah. I feel like them saying this is home now 
and and we always talked about how this show found its its wind in this third season. So maybe that there it's also about the writers feeling at home because most like especially Iris Stephen Bear who wrote this, he was a next gen writer who came over here. So I think in in the documentary or whatever what we left behind, I think they say that they put that line in on purpose because in season three they finally kind of like didn't have the oversight that they had in the first two seasons and it shows you can see it right away on the, in this episode. right away yeah well what kind of oversight like is just the shadow of being next to next gen this massive hit show um yep. and i think a lot of the good writers that were on next gen came over to d size nine and then i also think there was less oversight from people like rick berman and i think they were too busy making voyager you know there are they're already in the in the you know production of making a whole other show that's going to consume a lot of your time and that's going to give all these writers somewhere to play and that's what we get here yeah in, in they, they can't worry so much about what they're doing right so jeff no do you think at a certain point because all of that energy was directed towards voyager it was they thought d space nine was going to be what it is and they're like hey we're going to have this you know Voyager um, show that's going to be a lot more adventure, uh, a lot more closer to like, you know, original series next gen in terms of like episode to episode as opposed to this like overarching storylines. Um, and because they had so much hopes of Voyager, all that energy and focus was put over there and people were able to kind of relax into their roles with D Space Nine and kind of do what they wanted. He frozen or is he thinking? I think he's deep in thought. It was a very well structured question. <laughs> it was a good question. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, let's okay. Uh, Jamil, can you ask that again? Just so I, I'll, I'll answer the question. Do you think they put so much energy into Voyager that uh, because they thought D Space Nine, it is what it is. It's not gonna like. It's it's not gonna pull the numbers and bodies that TNG did. So let's pull our well. I, I think that there might have they might have been thinking to themselves this this space station project isn't paying off as well as we want it to. So we need to we need to, Star Trek's about ships. Let's go. Let's get a ship in space, exploring new planets. So Voyager, I feel like yeah, they were kind of trying to get back to the roots or whatever you want to say, back to basics maybe. Um, and there was a lot of conflict because this episode obviously brings in the Defiant, which is a ship. Right. And I like, you know, they, they're in the documentary that uh, what we left behind. They talked about how uh, the Defiant, they didn't want D Space Nine to have a ship because Voyager was a ship and they thought audiences wouldn't be able to distinguish this for some reason. Uh, you know, two ships on the air at the same time? Who can keep track of these things? Who's Iron Man? Who's War Machine? I can't tell the difference. Yeah, like, <laughs> I only have room in my life for one spaceship crew. I can't. Is this another spaceship crew? Like, in the, who? It's, so it's kind of ridiculous. But I understand, like, you, you have to make the shows feel different a little bit, you know? And so sets can do that. Uniforms can do that. You can also have... Um, Sorry, I lost my thought there. Uh, just the, the the look of the oh. Defiant is so different than the look of Voyager, Sam or or the right. Enterprise. They all the ships really look unique. Like they have, they look they look like they're related. Uh, that that I think the look of the Defiant is worth noting because how because they introduced this Defiant and we don't get we we barely really get to see the ship 
you know, yeah. we get to see the there's bridge no quite sexy, a bit. There's no sexy kind of, you know, wow, the defiant. They literally back away from the, the, the station. You see the lights turn on and it already cuts away. Well, I, I oh, also wrote, they, like, they, they do show the, the top light come on, which I thought yeah. was cool. It was cool, but it, like you, you feel like like this new ship, you would get more like uh, Star Trek motion picture, da, 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 and you would see the no, ship. Like no, but no, thought, we don't get any of that. You thought you were gonna get more ship porn? Kevin, well, just Kevin a little. The editing booth is like that's enough. That's enough. Oh, <laughs> uh-huh. right. Like, well, I, I noted here this like, standing there going, "Less is more. Less is more. Just stop." <laughs> like when they add the defiant to the opening credits which they don't do i noted here that these credits don't have the defiant like you know how a certain part it breaks off and then it goes into yep. the wormhole instead of a dumb runabout not that not that we don't like your runabout jeff in your backdrop I also uh have the defiant right there That's right but you also have the defiant but like the defiant i love the defiant i love the idea of the defiant like that they have the base but then they can get in this really awesome vehicle Kind of more like a Millennium Falcon or something a little bit more, you know, sleek, sexy, a battleship. Uh, this was a very exciting sleek time. Or sexy. What do you think about like Cisco as like the builder? Like he's kind of like known for like the being like uh, kind of an architect. And what do you think about that? Right. Because he helped design this ship, right? Like th- that's kind of a cool connection here. It's not that like he was just given this thing. He helped kind of design it to fight the Borg. Who just killed his wife? You know, yeah. this is the only real. This is one of the only times we hear about the Borg again since the pilot. Yeah, they never really bring it up much with Cisco because it's not his thing because it was Picard's thing so much, right? But it really kind of is, isn't it? It's kind of really Cisco's thing too. He has a connection to it, uh, at least. Yeah, yeah been... but it's not his thing. It, it's, he he doesn't discuss it much because it's too painful. So right, right. it's not really Borg stuff with him. And he goes but it is Jennifer again repeatedly. Yeah, it is brought up in this episode. Like Dax is like, I never saw you this excited since Jennifer died, or whatever. Uh, so like, that is. Uh, like, no. He's like, oh, you had to be God. the guy implementing the changes. Like uh, that whole scene was, yeah, like with Cisco and Dax, where she's giving him the pep talk about what Curzon thought. You know, Curzon always thought you could never be an admiral. Yeah. I don't have any original thoughts of my own, but I'll tell you what Curzon thought. I'll tell you what Curzon yeah. thought. Yeah, I don't really know. Kurzawa was a man, so he knew. <laughs> My woman brain can't, you know, give opinions that you would accept. So I'm just yeah. gonna tell you about the other one. Yeah, you you seem to be friends with him, and you and me so far, I'm not sure. But, but uh, Jeff, the Defiant, like its introduction here in the show, isn't it? It's huge. It is very cool. It's it's a big. You know what? You're right because like the stupid runabouts are kind of lame, and the last episode we watched really displayed that. And I think they were like, "Yeah, this is lame. We can't have like an Enterprise show up every now and again and have like runabouts with Kira and Dax and Bashir in like yeah, the there's real a runabout with with Bashir you know? and oh, uh, oh, oh, but wait, they're loaded with photon torpedoes. Who cares? <laughs> they're like this big. They have like know? two photon <laughs> torpedoes. Yeah, yeah, it's it's nothing. It's, it's not it's like, but I like the idea of a ship that can fly itself apart. It's got so much power. Yeah. That it, like, I feel yeah. like it's the motorcycle of the starships, you know, like it's got it's like a huge engine and everything else is just holding on for dear life. Yeah, it's kind of like a motorcycle or or something akin to that, right? Like it's just yeah, you're like you're on you're strapped to this big thing. And like what's what's amazing about this episode is like they get this brand new ship and then they pretty much get their ass kicked. 
the first time they take it into the Gamma Quadrant. <laughs> Right, Brian like, never got a chance to put his hooks into it, though. To be fair, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. they don't, they don't like go out there and kick ass, or they, 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 they don't even have a successful battle. They actually, they get thumped they right, right, one, right away. What? How many ships did the Odyssey destroy? Uh, they, I don't think they destroyed any. So, any none. One for the defiance. Just themselves. <laughs> oh yeah, and they destroyed one of the Jemadar ships. And guess who gets to do it? Bashir. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Yeah, this right? is a new Bashir. This sassy is a, Bashir. Now, now, he is sassy in this episode, and he's way more confident. I always, I don't know like, how much we can really credit this to Bashir because I feel like he Cisco just tells him implement Cisco Powder and Sierra or whatever, <laughs> and I think that's all Bashir actually did was do whatever Cisco pre-programmed. He turned around and said, "I sir." <laughs> so what you're saying is what that a laugh. What a laugh. laugh. <laughs> Cisco was on the controls. And Bashir was um, had the second controller that wasn't plugged in. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, there are some. Uh, okay, Th this whole first sequence when they go into the Gamma Quadrant, though, Dave, and they're they have the cloak on right when they get it there, and then the whole that whole sequence kind of feels like almost like a U five seven one submarine movie where they're you know. They're, they're they're stopping and they're turning their engines off and they're still wondering if they're being detected and I don't know I felt like it was very much a submarine esque type the whole well, cloak, it's kind of cool know? because they're playing around with the fact that they have this cloaking device and what do you what is it what does it mean for a Starfleet crew to have a cloaking device and because normally Starfleet crews don't hide but in this case they have to like show well we have the cloaking device because there's the danger there, we're out where like there's just all these enemy ships in the Gamma Quadrant so we have to sort of uh, not be easily detectable so it's kind of I think it's it's a clever way to kind of introduce how this new ship and its unique abilities are going to be uh, brought forth throughout the rest of the show mm -hmm. no for sure and I think yeah like the Romulan idea to make it a cloaking ship makes sense and they, they, they there was a lot of work put into this season before we even saw this first episode uh, a lot of work, you know, probably the 12th episode was already done before this episode was shot. Uh, you know, they, they set up a lot of great things. They knew where they wanted to go. And that's what good shows do. And I don't think they knew where they were going yet for the first two seasons. I think they were kind of just treading water. You know, Cisco is unrecognizable in this episode compared to what we've been yeah. watching for yeah. up until now. Right. Oh, this, man. This yeah, when our, he gets angry, uh, when he gets angry in this episode, he's like, "I want to know what the hell is going on." And it's just that that whole right. Thing. He feels like the Cisco we know he will become, or he is now the Cisco of that we're familiar with, sort of. He's not Captain Cisco yet, right? But he's close, much closer than he's ever been. I don't. It won't be till he gets the goatee and the bald head, and he he's a man. Oh, hawk. He's full when he becomes full hawk that we will he'll be <laughs> like truly Cisco to me, right? Like this is still he is Cisco, but he's like an, an earlier, younger version that's not uh reached his potential, I guess, is what Dave, he is. I feel it's because you see the decisive attitude there. He's a lot more like clear cut in terms of his ideas and expressing them as opposed to kind of humming and hawing about it. Plus, he has a, a fresh cut. It's really low, so it's just like you're yeah. What is from last season to this season? Is this has, him like trying to inch up on the bald head, or is this just like uh, his hairline is receding as well? That's a fresh, the reverse Jazia. <laughs> They're like, let's take <laughs> take hair away from Cisco, give more to Jazia. 
Right. Well, I think it was like really empowering tonight too to see Cisco in a captain's chair, even though he's not a captain yet at this point, Mm -hmm. commanding it, telling his officers all around him. Like it's it's a big moment, I think. I think yeah, the big yeah. mo- the big moment is when Dax yeah. and O'Brien go down to the planet, and then Cisco has to make the decision between trusting Bashir, who's mad because his friend and his love interest are on the planet together, and uh, Seska is like, "Hey, we should like leave them to die because screw them." Not Seska. Well, it is Seska. <laughs> Romulan just- Seska. Okay. Romulan- <laughs> it is Seska. You're wrong about that. She's just playing a different role. Uh, uh, to rule was the role. Kalu or Taru? See why I said Seska? You understand what I meant. I knew what you meant. Romulan Seska. Anyway, Cisco has to make that decision, and then I'm like, oh, well, he's gonna like you know help out Dax, and then he doesn't. He's like, no, turn around, get the hell out of here. And and that's that's the moment where I'm like, oh, okay, Cisco is a captain. You make the hard decision. He doesn't care. You know, like he he'll he'll he will do it. He will make the hard decision. Um, like Picard has had to do. We haven't really had enough of those moments with Cisco. Cisco's been dealing with a lot of stupid religious diplomats and ambassadors and admirals, and you know. That's really what he's been doing for two seasons. We need him in a well, ship. Maki stuff. He like like he was barely in season two. Like I still contend this. Yeah. Uh, his role in season two is is, is so minimal. Um, and like he's got a, a romance story uh, with shadow play, and then he's got like the Maki thing, and he's he mirrors cisco has has some moments i think but yeah like, your name is Spidey. your name is Spidey. I, think, I think they let him go on mirror cisco and then went oh that was really good maybe we should put a little bit of that into prime cisco <laughs> well i think yeah i think they were like uh the, the first two seasons like there are some great moments but we know how good the show got in the third, like from here on. And I think that the third season compared to even to the fourth season is, is inferior, but it's, it's, it's like, now we got the momentum. Now we're starting to build some speed, some warp speed. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was a new low for deep size nine and nine ish. That's a new low. <laughs> and we've gotten pretty low on this show. Uh, well, Jeff, how did you feel when he said engage instead of having some catchphrase? I, I did note that in my brain. I didn't write it down, but I did note it. Uh, I was like, oh, you, you know, copying Picard, are we? Okay. All right. I well, see you. J- we talked about this. Like, J- Janeway also just said engage. Like, and now it's like every captain has to have their own catchphrase now. I like engage. I don't like punch it, bump it, Whatever they say now, go go warp time. Go go warp time. Whatever they say now, I do not like it. That's just my favorite. Say, go go warp time. Just say engage or execute or you know something you know like that. Uh, Saru <laughs> had what was Saru's so like? Execute. He tried a bunch. He tried a bunch of different ones. Yeah. Like a, that's that's the, the new the new joke in all the series is when they're trying to find out what they're gonna say. I feel like until like uh, Bruce Greenwood, Chris Pike uh, uh, came along in the 2009 movie where he was like, mm-hmm. punch it, which is like a Star I Wars thing. Hate but, that. And yeah. I don't like the fact that Sulu pushes forward like an airplane friggin handle to engage the warp drive. <laughs> well, that's the most dumbest thing I've ever seen. Well, that's no different than Tom Paris's like 
Captain Proton buttons or anything. That's not on the bridge. <laughs> the Delta Would flyer. you prefer a specific red button that said warp drive and he pushes it? <laughs> he says the red button. I, I would just like, he pushes it. I like the way they have it, you know, in the shows where it's they just had a couple practical. buttons, you know. And, yeah. Yeah. I, I never I never hated the lever, Jeff. Like the it looks, you know, but uh when he I just thought as if like they need to trip one switch to make the warp drive go. Like it's it's kind of silly. You have to. I got more questions about this episode too, though, because we're seeing Cisco in this captain role, right? And he's got his officers around him, and I can't figure out between O'Brien and Kira and Dax. I know Dax is in the pilot station, but like, who's doing what? And uh, like, who's like? I can't figure out who's the science officer on that bridge. I can't figure out who's the ops officer. It just seems to be like, and this is throughout the whole show. That you basically you have the captain and you have the pilot station, and then all these stations on the side of the bridge are sort of like they do whatever is needed, I guess, or they just. But isn't tells that the case? It's literally a computer with like an interchangeable interface. It's what? like I'm working in this station today, so yes. it's going to be the science station. What, what, yes. yeah, what, what is the specifically? Yeah, thing. what is the difference between the Defiant Bridge and the Enterprise Bridge? I mean. There's a hell well, of well, I think oh, what's yeah. the difference. What's the most significant difference to me is that the lack of like sort of a dedicated area to a specific function. So, um, so like on like the Voyager bridge, you have Tuvok station, right? And he's the security and tactical. So, if there's right. any lines or dialogue that require him to like tell the captain what is happening that are is in that category, he does that. But doesn't right? Worf so, come on and have that station on the the Defiant? Well, no, not quite. It's like it's 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 like it like that's the whole thing with the Defiant Bridge and, and this the writing of the D Space Nine compared to the other shows is it's that it doesn't really make any sense. Like you know why um, I think they're on all the time, so they don't have stations yeah. like like they they would on a, on an Enterprise because it's always different people on the ship too. Like it's it's and never it's, the same. It's also a small crew. It's, it's like, a small crew, but even like it's it's it, it. So it feels a little bit more like a shuttle in that way, where everybody's just kind of doing whatever they need to. I guess is kind of the idea. Like you see lines that you would think like a tactical officer would relay to the captain would sometimes come from Kira, but sometimes they came from O'Brien, uh, and sometimes they came from Dax. And so you're captain, like, okay, like Cisco is sleeping in a freaking bunk bed in the you know. <laughs> in they got episode. bunk beds here. Like he doesn't have a captain's quarter. Like Janeway's no got window. Janeway's got a fish. tub. Yeah, a tub with a window and some roses and some candles going. And Cisco's <laughs> sleeping in a friggin' bunk. You know this laugh of a sick bay that I have. What a laugh! The sick bay's a laugh. He's like the defiant, the, the defiant is also just supposed to be for short voyages and for fighting. It's not really the Borg. It's not. It's not but, exploration. Why would they not put medical records on a ship that's going into war? You would need <laughs> you the ship. It's brand new. You would need. You, just, you would need at least a half distance sick bay, wouldn't you? It's in It's in yeah. um, factory setting still. They haven't right. even put like the the date like a VCR. Right. It's still sure, says twelve. The sure does right. say like some of the decks are inhabitable because of life support. <laughs> yeah. So the but ship's like, the ship's not really up to speed yet. It's not fully operational. No, because O'Brien's on Deep Space Nine. Nobody's at at Utopia Planitia to fix it. <laughs> it's true. 
don't you like the aesthetic of the bridge though in comparison to yes. like yes having oh um you know uh, jordy's working you know doing some engineering bs and he has his back to this view the view screen right like you can't see anything well uh Sorry. yeah like no. i do I, I i i do like the defiant and i like the bridge i just what i the only I, my only nitpick is that like other than the pilot station the other stations are more modular and i guess that's fine but i prefer do you like, like the captain's chair yes it's much more like a lounge chair they sit way back in it and it's very big you really notice it when kira takes command of, like not in this right. episode obviously but Right. It's it's a huge chair. Yeah, <laughs> she and, looks like a child yeah, sitting in it. So yeah, and she's a pretty skinny girl, so yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I always thought the Defiant Bridge looked great. Like and it's uh, it held yeah. they never changed it really throughout the whole next five seasons that they were or, and when the right? ship gets like, you know, hit very hard, no one's flying over like, you know, <laughs> stuff that's in the way or yeah. their head. Yeah. Yeah, they just fall to the open space that's around the captain's chair. Well, the helmsman dies in this episode, and it's nobody cares blood. about. It. He's a red shirt. Nobody cares about him. Uh, <laughs> you know, they just toss him aside, and he, he's like, "Bashir, get in there!" You should have went to the nebula. <laughs> should have hopped yeah, they... to the shuttlecraft and been ignored. Right, but well, this yeah. this whole mission to the Gamma Quadrant, right? Because right? to find There's... the founders, kind of stupid. I, it's a little weird. The, like, okay, we've got this cool warship, so we're going to cloak, and then we're going to find them, and then we're going to tell them we have no hostile intentions. That's right. And and we have no idea whether or not... We have no idea whether or not they can detect us or whether or not they're going to kill us once they do detect us. And we're going to bring Odo and Quark with us, too. But not yeah, just, really, really just because. Yeah. Well, the Quark uh, thing makes sense. I think the Quirk, Odo. Well, the Odo thing makes sense. It was just to make you know make him feel better about the yeah. fact that he Odo was moping possibly with us in this um, possibly suicide mission. Yes. Kira invited him on, on behalf of the Bajoran government, but not really. And then Odo. Like, Odo is the only guy who should be like left running the station. They have no character left to run the station. Eddington. Yeah, Eddington. Eddington? Yeah, he's the guy there. He's there. He, they literally left him in charge. Right. Now, yeah. like, okay, okay. In this episode, since half of it is kind of, well, it didn't happen, um, sometimes I'm like, yeah, well, Garrick was at the episode, but no, he really wasn't because that wasn't Garrick. Okay. That's the one okay. thing I think of, the, of this episode is I usually hate the it was all a dream or it was all on the holodeck or it mm -hmm. didn't really happen. And I, but this episode is so good that it's forgivable. Yeah, it but is. Is it good because it's like this whole thing that it's a dream uh, throws me off because it's very obvious on the rewatch that this doesn't make any sense. Yeah, because uh, yeah. the admiral, especially for me, the star, the Starfleet admiral is the one that gives it away the most for me. I'm like, no, it's oh. the fact that they're they're not. Cisco is not looking for Kira or Odo. That too. All. Yeah. Right, uh, the uh, it, 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 like there's just like there's a lack of urgency uh, going around, and yeah, there's weird, and it's early, so you're like, oh yeah, and we made friends with the Dominion, and 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 then um, O'Brien and Dax save us miraculously out of nowhere. And, yeah, uh, you know, yeah, like uh, yeah, everything that happens is kind of like yeah, just it's perfect. It's, Kismet. It's, it's Inception. 
Inception, like, yeah. The, the way they they pick up on scenes, it it doesn't really start it, like it's in the middle of something. Uh, Cisco is eating, and he's mm-hmm. like daydreaming, and he's like kind of lost where he was just before. They're at the bar, right, and right. they're already like at their table or anything, right? Already set up, and Cork immediately comes and sees them. It isn't like they walked over and sat down. Things just kind of happen, and they just the yeah like when you really study it on the rewatch yeah you see how it's it's they're they're not they're they're dream sequences or they're sort of staged events uh but we we kind of skipped over a a big the big reveal at the end of episode one because that's we're kind of talking about like kind of the events of episode two part two and it's this reveal of like the founders or like well we don't know quite till the very end of part two that they're the founders but that Odo found finds his people. We got Salome Jens in the role of uh, of the female changeling, which she will continue to play for the next five seasons and be this like kind of the big bad of the show in some ways. Um, yeah, maybe next to Ducat, like you know, rivaling that kind of level of malevolence. Right. Um, it also starts the whole chain narrative of is Odo having sex with this changeling or is and is Kira jealous? Well, yeah, because they seem to have like a mother-son relationship in some ways, yes, but it's also an sexual and mother and son. It's, yes, it's sexual and kind of yeah, mother, yeah, yeah. What's an Oedipus kind of thing going on for sure? Yeah, it's creepy and weird, but also you kind of feel you're happy for Odo that he's finding his people and he's turning into a hawk or whatever, and he feels the wings, you know, the wind under his wings, and you know, I don't. He doesn't like being rocks that much, but. Watching um, him do that motion, though, as a human, <laughs> but, or as was amazing, like just sort of flutter around on his toes, and, and I, I, I enjoyed that a lot. I thought that was hilarious. What did you think of? Like, why is he embarrassed to turn into his liquid? You know, like we, we have the scene with Cork where he's like, I don't want you gawking at me, and he gets like probably the angriest we ever see Odo is in that well, scene. It makes him different. It's it's something only he does. He's the only one like this. He's the only member of his species up until this point uh, right. that he knows of, and so it's just a pro. It's he's embarrassed, and and he has a past of being made to change, yes, for for others' amusement, like mm. for the Cardassians and, right. and whatnot. Right. So he he doesn't like to do it. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Right. Yeah, Quark tried just annoyed him and him barking at Quark was annoying. <laughs> and we also got the thing with Odo where he's got this longing for this random nebula. The Omarian the, Nebula. The Omarian Nebula. He's really got to go there. Uh, the Karama guy. He's, he's gonna, gonna... Okay, that scene, guys, by the way, when Kira goes down to talk to Odo in, the, in his quarters or whatever, and he's like, save your breath, and she sits down, and they, it's a great scene. All these scenes, actually, in this first episode are, like, fantastic. But this scene, when the explosion happens, and, like, I was like, this is really well done. I was like, this is, like, something, like, Battlestar Galactica will do later on. Uh, which is funny because the uh, teleplay of the first part was by Ronald D. Moore. Ronald D. Moore. He may have uh, borrowed from himself a little bit here. Well, yeah, like just his whole thing. He's like, save your breath. Just give me a shuttle and let me go to the Amari Nebula. She's like, we're in the middle of the Dominion. We're under cloak. What are you talking <laughs> yeah. about? We're going to go. Yeah. Where are so you going to go? And she's like, I get this is important to you, but like not this second. And uh, yeah. he's, and then they get attacked and then. 
Okay, I can, I'm not really. I, I don't really understand exactly what happened here because, like, did Kira ever go into the mind control world? No, no, no. no right? So sh they were really fighting those Jemadar, right? Like uh, Odo and Kira uh, before they escaped. I guess so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That right. would be. Yeah. Because when 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 does I guess it's just when we see Cisco and Bashir in the shuttle, everything from then on, basically, right, is the fake stuff. Yeah, well, I'm not. I, I, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm trying to understand is when when all of them respectively sort of end up in the dream world, uh, and I guess it like da like Dax and O'Brien are the first two they capture, right? Right. So they they're in the dream world. We don't, you know, after we see them captured on the planet or whatever, you know. Everything when they when they open the hatch to to find Bashir and Cisco that that's all right and they world. only find those officers in there right like the seven of them something like that yeah <laughs> okay because the Defiant probably left with a complement of fifty I would imagine they never show engineering though that's the one thing that bugs me about the Defiant is they barely show engineering and they barely show like how many people are really on this ship you know they do it a bit they do they well, usually like a crew of about like the ship typically holds a crew of 80 like that kind of that 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 the defiant right so yeah. even if they don't have all the decks inhabited let's say they have even half of that there's still like 40 people who went on this mission maybe right. um no, I don't think so people. are they all dead the rest of them no i don't think there's 40 people yeah i think it's more like 25 they went into the gamma quadrant with only 25 people i think it's so the ship is like basically run from the bridge. I think they they said is yeah. run from the bridge. They said most of the decks were inhabitable. So who's in on the decks, Dave? How can they fly a ship without a crew? They do have the crew. Majority of them is on the the bridge. The Defiant can be totally run from the bridge. They do say this in the series. Hmm. Then why do they? Need... Okay, then why does Odo have to share a room sure, with Quark? Because that was the only. Most of the decks are uninhabitable. Yeah. They also say that in the series. <laughs> they also Convenience, say... Kevin. Yeah. Oh, okay, who's Odo gonna stay with? Kira. Kira's with Dax. They can't find separate rooms. Like really? No, like, no there's not. We, we, we think that they meet Odo. Yeah. Why wouldn't Odo stay with his best friend? Like, come on. I guess. <laughs> Yeah, he even said so at the end of the last episode, Dave. He goes, "Ah, you'd miss him too." Yeah, yeah. and I love Bashir in the episode. Just like he's like, somebody's got to watch Quark, and might as well be you. <laughs> you know, like just stuff like that. Bashir's really good in this episode, and it's fine. I think yeah. he kind of had his way. Where I think he had some words with the writers after season two. He was like, "You need to make me a little bit more cool. This is getting a little <laughs> out of hand." You know? Yeah, you know, let me destroy that Jimmy <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't worry, Alex. Uh, what they call him, Sid, right? They call him. You know, Don't worry, Sid. You're gonna be the one who destroys the first Jem'Hadar ship. Yeah. yeah. So I, th I definitely think the, the, you know, it's not a coincidence that like the random pilot dies. But sure, you get in there. There's literally nobody else around. Do you like when they're having <laughs> these hand-to-hand -hand fights with the, the Jem'Hadar and they always have their fists, right? And they go, bah, bah. okay. That was the other thing I noticed in this episode that was not in the last episode is that the Gem Hadar had the Ketracel White. Yeah, they start. They they have that now. They didn't have that in the, their debut. You're saying okay? No, no. Well, they're, no, hanging, out, they, they're hanging out at Quarks for no, for no reason outside of just cause mischief. Yeah, why were they at Quarks? 
Was that? Oh, is that part of this? That was part of the dream world. That's part of the dream, dream world. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. There was a. That's another clue. It's like what are the Jim Hadar hanging out on the station for? Like you know, like there was a. And bunch they of like them. gambling. And Corey tells like, them they like Dabo. Yeah, they definitely don't like Dabo. <laughs> and, 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 and they don't like anything but killing and victory. They don't like Victor's food. They, they don't like sleep. They just you might know. be the hollow decks uh, trying to fight Klingons in past history. Okay, but I have questions, Jeff. The Omarian Nebula, right? Where Odo and Kira go, right? How can there be a planet without right. a solar system? I thought the same thing. M class planet just floating in a nebula. And it's like, ooh, you know, we're protected. Well, so, how, where does their heat come from? Right, maybe that's what it is. It's just a. How is it an M class planet? First of all, that makes no sense. A rogue planet. That's like I was like, I, I'm not an astrophysicist, but this this intrigued me. I, I see, um. I, doesn't an M-class planet like have to orbit a sun and you know have to have a certain like nitrogen to oxygen? Well, it has to atmosphere. have a, it has to have a, like a, uh, an atmosphere and it has to have a certain medium temperature and there's a bunch of criteria. But um, yeah, like I was just like okay, but but they sent these infants out, the infant changelings. We find out about right, like to gather right. information. The Oda wasn't supposed to come back for three hundred years. Mm -hmm. Right, so the 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 so he also finds out he's going to live at least for another three hundred years, which I think he's kind of excited about. Uh, but cause I don't know if he knows how long he's going to live. Um, yeah, well, but like, not not if Bashir shoots him like he did in the crossover where he turns into a big pile of goo. Right, like the Dominion are playing the the founders, the changelings. They're playing the long game here. Like they they're because they're xenophobic and they're isolationists, but they also uh, sent their uh, young out uh, without any training or guidance to become sort of fact-finding. Which uh, is a weird choice. You hate and are afraid, but you send your children out instead. Right, because, <laughs> you know, and the, the, the word changeling, which was apparently some kind of a slang term, but they took it back and they made it their own. And now they, they use it. They're it taking it back? Right. They're taking it back? I'm taking it back. Okay, yeah, I mean... I guess. I mean, I think that I hate the founders in some way. I just think they're so lame. Like Odo, like literally lays that out to her at the end of the episode, and I'm like, yeah, Odo's right. Like where he's like, you guys don't understand like the uniqueness of going out and having lived experiences and being a part of this one collective is kind of you know not a fulfilled life. Is kind of what you know. Like Odo's right, and this is like the crux of the whole thing that they, you know, their ideology just just kind of consumes them that the great link is everything and you don't understand and we have everything figured out and they're very smug the dominion uh yeah and, and the thing I, I regret is that like ultimately like o odo does go home and he joins the dominion or he joins the founders really not more than that not the dominion but you could presume that he would be get involved in the dominion as well itself like as the, the state um of it and um like what that meant kind of after d space nine that was kind of the unfortunate thing that we didn't really get to see what the post-war dominion with odo coming home would have been like because he brought this whole new perspective about diversity and sort of being out there with all these different viewpoints and cultures and things and what he learned from the Bajorans and the Cardassians and from and the and the Federation of course so um it's kind of cool it's like Odo does have a really cool compelling story and I think this is a big huge chapter in that uh obviously and it 
weaving it in with the whole war angle in the show was just super smart. It was because I don't think they were going to be able to kind of continue Odo's character uh, without it. Like, I think they, he would have, I think kind of fizzled out of the show if they didn't have his origin figured out in a compelling way. Uh, and it might've been part of why season one and two are the way they are. Maybe that's, they didn't have certain characters fully figured out. And then you can really tell like just in this episode, how much prep and uh, grunt work they put into season three. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you guys, do you guys want to talk about the second episode a little bit more? Yeah, Kira's talking to trees. Kira's talking to trees. The okay, first of all, the second episode is directed by Jonathan Frakes, and it's yeah. painfully obvious. Uh, it just the, there are so many scenes with Kira and Odo on the planet that just remind me of TNG episodes, and just remind you know like they just the way, and it's not that that's bad. I just it does it do, the the show kind of feels different for me in the second half. Does do you guys agree? I, the second part, part is very it, different. It's yeah, it is. I can see what you're talking about because of the dream sequence it does play a role in it, where everything just kind of seems a little bit off. Uh, I don't think the I was more just talking about like the the Kira Odo scenes. It reminded me like of 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 episodes of Riker going down to a planet, and just some of like the back and forth, just the way the dialogue ran, just the way it was shot. It just I was so relaxed though. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> like you're on this planet, you're the only humanoid solid, and she's just kind of chilling. You know? Yeah. I'll figure out things. Don't worry. Don't she's like so worry. awkward. She's like, I didn't really expect to be here for this family reunion, but this is so exciting for you guys. <laughs> and she, yeah. And she's like, this is great. Uh, the whole, yeah, I, I can tell you don't really like me. So I kind of want to get out of here anyway. Yeah. Okay. Can I send a message? Actually? No. Well, no. okay. I'm going to go do that anyway. <laughs> I'm going to uh, go do that like secret Bajoran style. Okay. Uh, yeah, well, it's okay. I, it's secret Pajoran style. Nobody will know. It's totally on the yeah. down low. Odo's don't like, don't worry, okay. don't worry, Odo. Your new mom girlfriend thing. She Odo, <laughs> Odo's like, I don't care. I'm trying to learn to be a vulture here. I get out. I'm going to be a rock, Maurice. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know how to be a rock. I might need some <laughs> privacy for this. That's the only way to become a rock. Um, I, I, the, the the little scene where uh, she says, "We value our isolation." Right, and then Oda goes, "Oh yes, mm, of course." And then Akira's <laughs> like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> that all happens yeah. within like uh, a second of each other, and it's fantastic. Yeah, because he's linking with uh, with female changeling quite a bit. She never gets a name throughout the whole show. Well, no, yeah, like, and Odo's really his name isn't really, he doesn't have a name really. He has Odo's, a name though. But he he, he was named, you know, by by like that scientist Pajoran guy, right? And O doesn't Odo mean like unknown in Pajoran? Yes, he yeah. took it back, right? Just like the change, like thing, you know. Uh, he made it his own. He yeah he he Odoed it. Uh, he owed well sort of like it's um like just they do use pronouns, so they do have. It seems like they have he's and she's among the changelings. Okay. They're just saying that to help for the solid who might not understand 
maybe they are using a, a a spoken language they wouldn't use typically like it's not necessary. if they can turn i mean all right first of all if they can have infants there has to be some sort of them right male or female they're producing they're reproducing in some way well we don't know that that's how their biology works like we know that they're genetic um like engineers that they're mas- masters of genetic engineering that they, they they put this code into odo's genetics that that he would want to go back to the omarian nebula one day when he saw it on the view screen so um but how did they create odo well it kind of makes me wonder about the changelings and are they an evolved race or are they a genetically like engineered race on some level or you know people who um experimented with different genetic engineering techniques it's kind of like who knows what their origin is i think that's in if you want to kind of look back at history and go back into different eras of star trek universe that's kind of an interesting thing to look at is sort of how the dominion formed and how the how their society kind of started speaking of the dominion jameel or kevin borath what did you guys think of wayun light mm. He wasn't. He wasn't interesting. He's no. I, when you know that Wayun's coming, you can't. Yeah. You can't, this guy's nobody. He's like. <laughs> he's like you know, like the monkeys to the Beatles. You know, like it's just ah. Yeah, it's just not quite. He's a no-name brand. He's angry. He's not witty. He's just. He's just blah. Some no. of the most of the Vorta are kind of ma. Uh, he is among the ma vortas, but there is another vorta, um, er- I think her name is not Eris. Um, Eris was the first vorta who right. was in the finale of season You're two. talking about the one with the when they get the ship. Yeah, when the ship's like upside down and they're trying right. to right, right. She's amazing in that episode. Yes. Right? And that episode is so good. So there, are, like, aside from Jeffrey Coombs as Wayun, I think she's like the second best Vorta. And then it's like, oh, uh, maybe the Iggy Pop Vorta is good. Uh well this but this guy is like Jeffrey Combs could have played this role just sure. the same. Like it just it just like it was he was basically doing a prototype for Wayun. That's what I thought when I was watching it. I'm like, oh this is what Wayun will be. <laughs> yeah. I also liked uh is it Kivon, the one that the I hate Ferengis where they have to reanimate him. Yeah, like, well, he's good too. He like yeah, the one they that the guy who like who defects right because he's dying. Yeah, and he, yeah, all that guy. He's in that Iggy Pop episode. He, Iggy Pop Vorta is like, no, not later, no, or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta do that. And I want to be the Iggy Pop Vorta. Uh, <laughs> locked in for uh, for radio theater. Jamil, uh, okay. Uh, what about Garrick in this episode? Uh, do you like the scene when? Bashir first comes back. He kind of goes, "Business keeping you busy." He goes, "Oh, the tailory business or the spy business?" And right there, immediately, you should be going, "That's not Garrick wouldn't say that," but it's still funny. <laughs> so, okay, the reason why I believe that um, people were still recognizable as their characters, even though it was just an illusion, yeah, was, uh, the the people in the framework, I'm using that term, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. rep, uh, they also help create the reality and kind of round out right. like characters. They they, they so populated like, the projections. Yeah, so Garrick, like Bashir for sure, would think that, um, well, he's, we're, he's talking about his garment business, but he probably also means, you know, 
being a spy and it being a projection of Bashir. Yeah. The Bashir Garrick said that as opposed to the real Garrick would never say something that forthcoming in terms of information. Yeah, even if he was joking, like yes. he, Garrick would still yeah. keep it a little bit tighter to the vest, you know. His uh, his plan, his plan to get away from the Jim Hadar is totally something that that Bashir would cook up. He's like he would right. totally betray us, but then you know deep down, I know Garrick would do the right thing and he would be with us. And this is and, the part where I pretend to be their friend and I shoot you <laughs> very slowly as I turn around. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the other one should get fired. That, that's interesting, Jamil, because then because then he talks to uh, Cisco and and in their conversation, there uh, he says, "Oh, I didn't know we thought so much alike." Like, yeah, and it's kind of the start of Pale Moonlight. Their relationship <laughs> starts kind of right there, and it's not even Garrick, which is amazing. You know, but Cisco probably will remember it. He's like Garrick. I could use yeah, that. Garrick. How insightful Jake was in their conversation. Are you right? saying the Dominion right. committed inception right. against themselves? I think so. I think they. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. there you go. There well, you go. they might not understand the the implications of that situation, um, but the characters might, right? Because they're they're just seeing what like a top level of the scenario not totally understanding the the context at first when this whole situation was was occurring i was like uh well obviously they had spies on d space nine they can gather up information garrick is well known um as being a tailor slash like hand of the city in order but like on the, the down low and you know cork as a character is pretty obvious and Starfleet regulations is something that they can probably easily grab a hold of, and everyone knows how distrusting the the Romulans are, right? So a lot mm. of these scenarios could have been pre-built, um, but mm -hmm. the insights that we recognize and we would figure that the characters would recognize, that's something that I don't think, unless they're extremely strong telepaths, not really going to be something that they can create. And that's why I feel. That's well, the whole protection. thing with the change line, can't they? They can right. can't, if they can turn into anything. They can turn into like a telepath. They can turn into a Betazoid, right? Like, <laughs> I don't think but... that's necessarily the case. They they can simulate physical properties, but not necessarily mental ones. Wouldn't they well, give like, themselves that's a... like the biggest brain in the world? And like, I can outthink everything. I know you were going to do that. Well, I, I was always I, like, I, I'm sure we're going to talk about this as the changeling stuff continues. But I always thought with the changelings that. If they be, like, if they turn into Chief O'Brien, then they know everything Chief O'Brien knows because they've turned into him. Um, Changeling O'Brien is my favorite O'Brien. The one on the planet, With the one that comes <laughs> in the yeah. fountain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like, but that's the whole thing because, um, like, just assuming something's form is one thing, and because you can also be scanned, but it's also like you you would also have the brainwaves of those people, and you would have their knowledge, in theory. But I don't know how... Would you? I think so. I don't think, I don't so. think so. I don't know. We like should figure this out. Some, like, that's some high-level mimicry to be able to do that. Well, how else could you, like have a conversation with somebody uh how, how did the uh the the fake bashir changeling um right. you know get by when does job. When, when does fake bashir changeling 
come? Like, do like is he when, the, when the uniform switch? It happens just before the when the uniform switch because when when they pick up yeah. the real Bashir in prison, he's got the old uniform on, but Worf's got the new one on. So Dave talk, Dave talk, Dave watch. You want to know about uniforms and when people were abducted by changelings and put into <laughs> prisons and nefarious plots were afoot? I can tell you about it. Dave talk, Dave talk. Dave talk. <laughs> Even if you don't want to hear it, I can tell you about it. Yeah, you want you don't want to know about uniforms? We got you covered. You might want to pay attention because there's some interesting things. Um, I don't know. Yeah, like this. This episode's good. I like it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't like the second half. It. The second half is I'm down on. I I think the first half is way better. The second half. I don't like the first half of the second half. I, I think it finishes pretty strong, though. I think the whole dream world stuff, I like the stuff with Odo and Kira is good, but I think like this whole ruse of the being in the dream and everything else, I think it's... I like it's it because it's, it's a great rewatch because I, we just created a new theory that Jamil, you know, gave us the whole projection theory of the inception of, yeah, that Garrick wouldn't say that. That's Bashir thinking that's what Garrick would say, or that's Cisco yeah. thinking what. And then everything that was going on, I guess some of it was programmed by the Dominion, but some of it kind of had to not be in some way because they're interacting, right? Right. You know? It has to be adapting to their decisions they're making in the simulation, yeah. right? So, yeah. like when uh, when 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 O'Brien gets attacked by that Jebedar. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then Bashir, like I was like, this has can't be real because Bashir got in a fight. <laughs> how do we all feel? How do we all feel about all of these senior officers going ahead and betraying the Federation? <laughs> yeah. Well, this, well, yeah, like especially the Admiral, the you know, that that right. Can we talk about the scene where Cisco barges in and yells at the Admiral with like the <laughs> The Wayun light standing right there. I want to know what the hell is going on. Yeah, that scene. It's awesome. It's like the the best full Hawk Cisco we we've gotten yet, and yeah. he just is chewing the scenery. He's pissed off. He's yelling at people. He's saying, well, "This is bullshit." What about Pager? What about the wormhole? They just allowing this. This is crap. He's just giving it to her, and then she's like, "Are you done?" And then she explains well, this treaty, and then he goes off. You know, then he gets even yeah, more. Yeah, because they brought back. Well, it's not the real Admiral Nechev or whatever, but it's you know she is the meanest of all the admirals. She is the real housewife of uh, you know insert city name here, the real of San Francisco. And she is going to tell you how she is the meanest boss ever. Um, but yeah, like I think it's Cisco gives this whole speech about Odo. He doesn't follow the chain of command, and he doesn't. He's not a team player. And so Cisco is having to now deal with with a superior officer here who's kind of ruining his entire world, this place he calls home, and right. he's having to wrestle with that. Like Dax has been reassigned, and what was right. the other issue? They were leaving like, the station, Dave. They were like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah. We're giving the we're giving the station to the Dominion and Bejor. They'll be fine. Yeah, and then right. you know we find out. Yeah, projections and Cisco's like, we're not having that. Garrick's got a plan. We'll shoot some people. We'll get you know, we'll we're, we'll blow some you know photon torpedoes into the wormhole. And Bob's your uncle. That'll be it. Um, which you know, I always thought you know, Cisco, you know the people who guard the wormhole. 
can't you just you know have a convo with the prophets be like hey don't let the dominion you know anytime they come in the wormhole you just send them right back to the gamma quadrant wouldn't that have been easier they, they, they do that eventually <laughs> they do that when the plot when there's no other things left yes. that's right that's what, yeah <laughs> when enough suspense has been built and you think that the station and everybody's gonna die prophets well, what, what I do yeah. find amazing about the show and so, sometimes the fact like Dax is the science officer. OK, and they've discovered these new alien life forms living in the wormhole who are non-corporeal. And sure, it's maybe a little difficult to talk to them, but they spend no time studying them. They spend no, no time doing scientific yeah. research on on the wormhole. No, Kate, Keiko know. does more research on them than anybody else. But you know who we need to study? Like the Baku on on in friggin' or insurrection or something. Or no, we didn't. Thing. We didn't need to do. We that. didn't need to. But we like, that, <laughs> I just yeah. think it's odd. Yeah, they 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 really like this whole thing about the the gods in the wormhole. They they only go to that plot when they think you can handle. Yeah, Dax seems totally uninterested in the in the yeah. prophet. She is yeah. the she does the least amount of science work of any science officer. Yeah, like Spock. <laughs> Spock does more. Way more. Yeah, way more. Especially Spock. Wait, who's the science officer on the next gen? Oh, uh, Data. Yep. Oh, he's the science officer? Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, he does a lot of work. Yeah, Dax is a slacker. I agree. She's kind of like... And Harry Kim is a better science officer. Well, Harry Kim doesn't do anything but work and... You know, every now and then <laughs> he gets, in, yeah, and then he, and then he gets in a relationship. He dies, and then he, he'll get in some sort of relationship in one episode. And that some woman apart. who's already dead. Yeah, who's already dead, or <laughs> you know, he'll, he'll figure out some way where I'll crash or burn, and it'll, it'll never end happy. Uh, but you know, we did the Voyager podcast. Meanwhile, <laughs> Dax is banging every alien on this that comes through the station. I don't know if it's every alien. Well, it's it's a high it's a high number. <laughs> you know, it's a few. More than Kira for sure. It's, so, it's definitely more than Kira. Uh, okay, yeah. I mean, what more to, to have we said that we, we need? Do we need to talk any more about this episode? Have we hit everything? Well, I we, think we have the reveal. Should we talk about the Dominion reveal that they are the founders? Yeah, that they are the founders, and Oda figures it out, and you know, it's like you know, they find the door. And Kira's like, this is weird, this door being here, you know? And Oda's like, door? We don't need a door, you know? And then they go over why, there. Yeah, like, they're like, why would shapeshifters need doors? Yeah. It, like, that That never occurred to me as something they wouldn't need. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> they might <laughs> like, need a door. I don't know. What do they, what, do they just hang out in the puddle all day? Is that all they do? Apparently. When they're not shapeshifting into rocks and trees and whatever. <laughs> They have they have this whole contraption set up. Is that the way you and the Gemini Hadar's contraption, or is that the founders? Well, you know, you know like we, what's unfortunate is like in some ways is we only get Salome Jens in this one changeling role, and like this one other changeling guy who talks, uh, who says, "Don't, right. don't be doing the link." He's not ready. He's yes. not ready. And she's like, "Yeah, he is. He needs to remember for a minute." But um, I, take like, it easy, you know. Yeah, yeah like I, I guess as a people, how diverse they are or not, I guess because Odo is so different than the rest of them, she seems different than the rest of the changelings. But we don't get to meet many individuals, I guess. Right? Like the, you know, there, there's a few along the way. But I will say that um, 
Deep Space Nine is um, one of the rare shows where they made a point of having a lot of female characters. More, I, I would say a lot more than most of the other Star Trek shows. Just in roles of, especially villains, they have you know Kai Wynn, they have the the founder, uh, you know, like they they you don't really see that I find in where they have female villains. That's that's hard to do too, you know. Like, well, Star Trek, I think using women in general has they've always been ahead of their time. Like you know, yeah. we, when we do the original series, we look back on it and we go, oh, like in sometimes, but for the most part, like it's really strong what they're presenting and oh, yeah. for the time oh, yeah. leaps and bounds ahead Dave, of anything Dave, we watched it once back then that was <laughs> it back in 1966 <laughs> dave we didn't know we didn't know not to insult women wait didn't you <laughs> no it was part <laughs> of it was part of the programming of the day right but <laughs> you understand it. yeah like there are some things you kind of go yeah I, whatever but yeah, like I think that the uh, you're right. Like uh, Kai Win and this character, the female changeling, mm-hmm. um, the founder. Sometimes she's referred to as. Uh, right. She's a she's a great right. But I think what Star Trek always did was just present equality. Like it didn't. I never had to think about it whether this was a man villain right. or a woman villain. It just it is. It's a villain. And, I just think uh, that like we have we have the Seska Romulan here to rule or whatever. We have Dax. We have Kira. We, we, I just mean like there there's almost more women that, on this show than there are men. And I don't you know that I just think that's pretty good for DC Nine. Yeah, it's good. It's they use their their characters well. Yeah. Okay. Is it time for a little double F with Jeff? Sure is. I think so. All right. Double F with Jeff. Double F with Jeff. We got a 47 reference. 47 alert. The Defiance registry number is NX74205. The first the 47 numbers. backwards? It's reverse 47, yes. It's a stretch. Okay. <laughs> this, take, this takes place in 2371. You can tell by uh, the combat badges. Tell by the combat badges. That's a dick <laughs> talk. Okay. Uh, first appearance of Matt Michael Eddington, the Canadian wonder, who keeps a lucky loony. He's got a lucky loony in storage. Didn't bring him with him into the Maquis, though. Didn't have time. He's Kevin's favorite character. Okay. This is also <laughs> the first appearance of the wardroom. Do you guys remember is- that? Well, yeah, okay. So we—that's what when they when he when he says, "Look, I brought the defiant," and then the next scene is in this, the, the it's called the wardroom, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's a good point because we didn't talk about that. That's a, that is another set, and set. they'll use that a ton. That becomes their conference room because right. we saw a couple times in the first two seasons they were mm-hmm. they had they never had good meetings like uh, no <laughs> no, and they would often like crowd around ops. Remember like, that one scene where they tried or, to have a in, in Cisco's office and yeah. everybody was like lined up. I think yeah, they're all lined up. I imagine Iris Stephen Bear just showed like the producers of the show, like we can't keep doing this. <laughs> yeah, it, it just didn't make any sense. We have this massive space station. We can't have one room. Have, like, a We're table all and chairs. into this little room. Yeah. <laughs> just build us a room. It's a square room. It's a rectangular room with a with the table and chairs and some windows. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Oh, it's a fake. Will be used later on. Um, this is the first of twelve DS9 episodes. The last being Past Tense Part Two, that premiered without a- another Star Trek series on air. Star Trek Next Gen had ended, 
and Voyager had not yet begun. This is also the third of 14 episodes to premiere between the original airings of the finale of one series and the premiere of another. Right. That was also in the Dave talk, but I, I felt... Uh... No, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. John Fleck, who played Orenthar, also played Tybeck in Next Gen, The Mind's Eye, a Cardassian overseer in The Homecoming, and Koval in... Inter Arma Enum Silent Legis, one of those Latin names. Oh, that's Latin a great Latin legend. I don't know how to say it. <laughs> an abandon. Do you know how to say it? Uh, an abandoned uh, an Abaddon in Alice. He is best known for playing Silic in seven episodes of Enterprise. No, no, he's not. He's not best known for that. He's not best known. <laughs> Nobody's best known for anything from Enterprise. Even Archer is best known for another show. He's best known for Quantum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. The studio model of The Defiant was designed by James Martin and constructed by Tony Meininger. Meininger thought the initial design was a bit too chunky looking. An avid car buff, he took inspiration from Ferrari sports cars to streamline the model, giving it a sleeker appearance. Some of the schematic displays on the bridge that initially portrayed the original blocky silhouette of the ship. These were replaced in later episodes to reflect the final design. I didn't notice those. I I would not have I would not have thought they designed it like like a Ferrari. Yeah, but like um, <coughs> the, they were going to call the ship the Valiant originally, right? And they but, but because Voyager was V, they they told them they had to change it, and so they went with Defiant instead. But it doesn't have the same registry number as the Defiant from the original series because it's a different type of, of ship. Yeah, but the Enterprise D is a different kind of ship than the Enterprise A. True. So, like, I don't really know how this works. But the like, Defiance and Experimental ship, isn't that why it's NX? Yes. <clears throat> yeah. So, there's, it's. I don't really get it how they decide these registry numbers. They're all that. That's the one thing I can't. I, I figured out the uniforms. I can't figure out the registry numbers. All right. Well, <laughs> that's not a Dave talk topic. Okay. The search takes place eight months after. Rules of acquisition and two months after the previous season's finale. So it's, this is two months after the end of the last season. So for two months, there was nothing that happened worth noting. Well, no, Cisco went to Earth. He went to a bunch of meetings and Jake ate some pudding. Jake ate pudding, and that was pretty much it. They left and they were like, Earth kind of sucks now. We, we like the Cardassian space station better. And don't really want to be here anymore. See it. See, um, was it uh, grandfather? What's uh, what's the the uh, the grandfather's name? Oh, I know, Mr. Cisco. Mr. Cisco. Okay, <laughs> they, they, they probably went and saw him, but that's never mentioned because they hadn't cast him yet. As, as yeah, like, um, Admiral Cartwright. <laughs> Brock Peters. Yeah. Yeah. Right now he's Admiral Cartwright. Uh, okay. Uh, this is the first appearance of Romulans in D Space Nine. Sasuke. You've never been a Romulan on this show? I guess there hasn't been. No. No. Lots of Cardassians, <laughs> lots of Bajorans. But no, the Romulans. Uh, and and you know what? Looked pretty good. First appearance of the new style of Starfleet com badges, as Dave has told us many times. This the is the profile. first this is the first episode with Jonathan West as director of photography. He served uh, as such, for every episode of the series run, except for the ones he directed, starting from this episode. 
Well, this, okay, so this would be interesting. So we have a new DP on this show after this point. Um, obviously, we have all these new sets, so there's nothing to compare. We can only compare like sets we've seen, like ops and things like that. But I thought the show was shot way better, you know, than than season two. Like I just thought, like some of the just the way the show looked, um, and some of the scene, the the, the new sets, and the way that the, they had a couple of nice. Uh, tracking shots, I thought were pretty good. There were some shots tonight. Uh, there was one where uh, it's is it Bashir and he's walking and talking with, with somebody Garrick. with, with Garrick. Garrick, right? Yeah. It's it's a fake it's the fake Garrick, but right, but it's kind of a cool scene. And uh, there's even a scene in the bar where the, you like there you just get this uh, feeling of perspective, like the the because normally when Quark's a, feel when small a, when O'Brien gets thrown across that part. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. In that part, we're sorry. So yeah. Uh, that was pretty great. Um, Empire Magazine cited this uh, whole two-parter, The Search, as the best episode of DCS9 when they ranked the series number 47 on their list of the 50 greatest TV shows of all time. Really? They ranked this the best episode? I mean, it's a good episode. but I think it's... Like, the only thing you... It's it's good to put on a list because if you want to get into the Dominion story, it's, it's as good of a place to start. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, the episode features the first on-screen appearance of the Karema. They were mentioned in uh, Rules of Acquisition, but they were not seen at that time. The episode also establishes that Quark was obviously successful in opening trade negotiations with the Karema after being referred to them by both the Dosi, and it suggests that Grand Naga Zex planned to get in touch with a higher-ranking member of the Dominion by making demands which the Dosi couldn't fulfill was successful. It's a good business strategy. That Nagus, uh, he's got the lobes. We know that Dream Quark, you know, just dreams of a world where Cardassian, Bajoran, Human, Jem'Hadar, they all just line up at his Davo table. So Quark, so Quark, Quark doesn't go with them, right? He's like, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go back uh, after the caramel thing. He just goes back to the station, and is that's he it. not? Is he not with them when they're doing the Dream World? No. Oh. No. Oh. Well, how did he get out of there? He, no, went with... he, he leaves with the Karama. Oh, with the no. guy from the Karama. Like, so he's saying that, like, uh, I guess from the. For, so even though the Dominion's in the picture and they blew up New Bajor and all this stuff, it seems like there is some still some trade in the Gamma Quadrant to the Alpha Quadrant still taking place. Right. And... Well, the Ferengi aren't a member of the Federation. They're, the beef is with the Federation. Is it specifically with the Federation or is just anybody coming from the Alpha Quadrant? Anybody uninvited, which at this time is the Federation. Right. So I guess the Ferengi are okay. Because they never go to war with the Ferengi, ultimately. Um, no. Well, the Ferengi never get into the war. No. So. Right. Okay. So this is the first episode in which Cisco expresses a love for Bajor. And the first time he voices his refusal mm -hmm. to allow it to fall under any circumstances, the theme of Cisco's love for the planet would become more and more important as time went by and would be one of his character's primary motivating goals in the series fin final few episodes. Yeah, I feel like they should have done a little bit more with that, but to set this up, but because I don't feel like he spent a lot of time on Bajor his interactions with Bajorans are always limited because we talked about it. Like he was like, I'm a Starfleet guy. I can't be involved. I gotta be limited and antagonistic. Yeah. I can't, I can't be, I can't be, I can't be meddling. Right. But I, I am here to show the benevolent Federation, but yeah, this is like, this is a big shift here where he's like, no, 
I will never allow Bajor. I love it. The line must my be African drawn. art collection. Yeah. To Bajor. <laughs> yeah, that means it's home. Jake said so. Okay, uh, Odo's reaction to Lieutenant Commander Eddington is almost identical to his reaction to Lieutenant Primen inside in the passenger. On both occasions, he tells Cisco that he will be handing in his resignation. Constable Odo, <laughs> he's a, he has it already typed up already. Yeah, he's why, he, why, why should he be worried? He's like just another idiot, uh, Starfleet officer. For yeah. The, yeah, some bald, some bald guy wearing yellow, yellow shoulders comes in every couple seasons and tries to take Odo's job. Hello, Odo. I'll end up being incompetent, and we'll prove you're right. That's why Worf had to change to the red shoulders. Um, okay, so yeah. Ar Armin Shimmerman guys hated the scene where Cisco makes Quark kiss the scepter of the Grand Nagus. <laughs> Well, it would have been a better scene if they had been able to actually get the Nagus, like for a cameo. But I mean, they probably he was probably doing Toy Story at the time, and he didn't want to do the makeup and for a scene. Yeah. But I think that would have been better than the scepter. Yeah, yeah. like the I I, I I can see what Armin Shimmerman's coming from. I thought he was going to give him the scepter, not make him kiss it. But anyway, yeah. according to Ronald D. Moore, the character of Michael Eddington was initially conceived of uh, merely to fill in when Cole Meany was a, inevitably away doing a film. But over the course of the season, <laughs> the writers decided to expand the character and even went so, as far, uh, so far as to introduce the mystery of his true affiliation. Kevin doesn't so, care. Kevin, oh, okay. I hate her Wait, on so, the do you know why I hate him so much? Why? Is because they do have, the two of them have a great rivalry and they're great. He brings out all these great performances in Avery Brooks, but he just sucks. He's so annoying to even look at. Yeah. Like he's, <laughs> he's very smug. He's like the Dominion. Yeah. He's very smug. And and that, I guess that's what gets Avery Brooks going. I guess that's what gets him mad. He doesn't like smugness. Um, okay, uh, Odo's slightly altered makeup and uniform debuts at the re request of Rene Aubergeonois. He liked the way his mere Odo looked in the crossover episode, guys. And he lobbied the producers to keep this design, which remained for the rest of the series. So the mirror universe again coming through. It looks way like the belt at this point is a little bit too much in this uniform, but the collar is so much better on Odo's uniform. When he's got that low cut collar, he, I don't know what the hell they were going for with that. Like, if you want to make him look like a police officer, give him the high up collar. You know, you're going to call him a constable? Give him the high up collar. What are you doing? Should they give him like a, <laughs> a, oh, a, stick a black oh. stick? Not a nightstick, but like a club. Like in yeah, like a billy club. Hey, hello, governor. Okay, and uh, okay, so after deciding not to make to rule a recurring character, the producers also decided to use the cloaking device beyond this episode. Indeed, they actually planned to mention early early in the season that the cloak ha had been returned to the Romulans. So certain were they that it would be wouldn't be used again. That they were informed production designer Herman F. Zimmerman and director of photography Jonathan West and told them that they didn't need to design an elaborate lighting rig because the dimming effect seen when the ship is under cloak would only ever be seen once. Wow, that is a goddamn long sentence. As such, Zimmerman's uh, set design didn't allow 
room for West to construct a rig which would contain the setup necessary for both normal lighting and cloaked lighting. Instead, West had his crew simply manually change the lights for the scene under the cloak. Of course, only a few episodes later in the Defiant, the cloak was once again employed, and many times after that. And the and the but the set and the lighting ring were never redesigned. So every time the ship went under cloak, Wes had to have his crew manually change all of the lights. Something he got quite annoyed about. Well, they can rebuild the set to at some point or readjust it. No, there wasn't enough time, Dave. They only had four more years. Yeah, they never, they never couldn't solve for this. They never thought they were going to use it again. They were like, they were like, well, I get they didn't know that the first time they did it, but like, I just understand. Yeah, that's, I guess they couldn't retrofit it after they had built certain parts of it. Kevin, right. very presidential. <laughs> four years, what uh, did they fix it? No, they had no, nah. it's part of the re election campaign. If they did a season, uh, another season, it's like, we'll fix the rig for sure. <laughs> Okay, and so we got a few. Uh, that, was, that was the end of the first episode, but now we only have a few for the second episode here. Okay. The monolith that is seen several times in the background of the garden of the shapeshifter's planet is almost identical to the monolith which appears in the alternate as a relic of Odo's people. So is that's an intentional thing? Yeah, it seemed to be. Uh, Natalia Nogulich plays Admiral Alina, Alina Nachayevich. No, how do you say her name? Nachayev? Nachayev. Nachayev. For the final time, this character had appeared uh, intermittently on the series uh, on The Next Generation. This is her final appearance, Swan Song. For... But it's not the real her. But it's a different actress? No, it's this is a she's the dream version, isn't it? Oh, but it's not really. It's not, really. it's not really Admiral Nachayev. But, you know, she still showed up and earned a paycheck, so. Yeah, she got a <laughs> <laughs> uh, The line... No changeling ever harmed another would return in season three episode uh, uh, Heart of Stone and the die is cast and the adversary and the season four finale Broken Link. This is despite the fact that Odo is frequently threatened by both the founders themselves as well as their agents. Yeah, he was actually he we saw him fighting a Jemadar in, in this uh, at the end of the first part, right? Yeah, so maybe, the Jemadar is not programmed not to fight Odo. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, S Salome Jens, the female changeling, previously appeared as the ancient humanoid in the next generation, the chase. I don't know right. You know. Remember when they say the Klingons and the Romulans and everybody, all the humanoids are related based mm. on, on that, which does, uh, th there have been some theories out there that, um, that the changelings are related to those people or somehow are descended from those people. Okay. When Odo says he has been uh, referred to as a changeling on occasion he could be referring to the episode vortex our favorite episode in which vortex. in which croden calls him a changeling uh and in shadow play in which taya does does so as well right when he turned into that top for what's her name for the girl yeah the, ho the holographic girl Okay, so listen to this. Originally, the Vorta were written to be like, uh, were, were written to be the godlike founders of the Dominion. This was changed, though, uh, and the search, uh, 
to make the changelings into the founders. This explains why Eris in the early episode never acknowledged Odo as a founder. The Vorta founder concept is indicated by her telekinetic powers in the same episode. The writers regretted and deliberately forgot about that, in quotation marks, that last part for the rest of the series to make the Vorta significantly weaker than the changelings. Yeah, like I, it's, I think it was a good choice. Obviously, we, 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 we all appreciate the fact that they gave the founder the changelings this founder role and the vorta were more of these middlemen guys and like it's it's better but yeah like so but that wasn't the plan i guess right. earlier in 1994 the abrupt realization that the bajoran wormhole has not been destroyed and that none of the events cisco and the others experienced truly happened is an example of deus ex machina style ending however rather than this being an avenue by which to create a quick resolution the writers have claimed that the very point of this episode is to be found in its it was all a dream ending well it's not all a dream but it's like they barely got out with their lives and there's not much to be happy about uh, since much of, got the defiant. Yes. Uh, since much of this episode is psychological projections, this is one of very few episodes not to feature any scenes on the real Deep Space Nine. It is also one of the two, only two episodes, the other being Children of Time, to be set entirely in the Gamma Quadrant. Bam. Hmm. That's a fun fact. <laughs> Uh, the focus continually spits, splits between reality, Kira and Odo on the founder's homeworld, and the psychological projections created in the experiment between uh, being conducted on Cisco and the others. This is masked by the normal formula of having A and B stories. Only in the last minutes is the psychological experiment revealed. In the same vein as The Next Generation, due to the plot being a simulation and not real, no exteriors of Deuce 9 are shown except when the story moves into space and after the simulation ends. And that is it for Double F at Jeff. Thank you. Thank you for the claps. All right. Okay. Let's go into ratings. Read it up. Okay. So let's start with Jamil. Uh, the search part one. Um, I'm going to give it an eight. You want to give me your part two? Yep, definitely. Part two is an 8.5. And a half. Okay. Over to Kevin. Oh, I'm backwards from that. I think the first part is a nine. Mm -hmm. And I'd give the second part a seven. Oh, and uh, Ashley was, uh, she gave 8.9. Uh, she texted this in, by the way. Uh, an 8.9 for part one and a 9.0 for part, part two. Yeah, same wavelength. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'll go next, Jeff. I let you go last. I'm going to give part one uh, an 8.5. The second part, I think, is maybe a seven and a half. Jeff. Um, I go nine for the first part. And I go eight for the second part. <laughs> Okay, so that gives and the um, the IMDb ratings are interesting. Part one's an eight point four, and uh, and in part two is an eight point three. So uh, we're much higher on this second episode. Eight point, or sorry, on the first episode. Uh, part one, we're giving it an eight point seven two collectively, and an eight even to part two. So very strong. 
well above the average for this show. And uh, and if we compare it to the, the first two episodes of season two, uh, which were um, the homecoming and the circle, oh. which we which we collectively gave a four point seven and a four point two. The Bajoran trilogy, a, as it's known. Uh, the Bajoran trilogy, which we gave an average of four point four two. That was generous. Let's be honest. Yeah. yeah. Compared, so so like you know this is this is. You could call this progress. Like they are definitely things are on a, a poor trajectory from here. Uh, the the quality is much better. So um, so very good. And um, Jeff, uh, do you know the name of the next episode we're going to be doing? Uh, it's um, uh, House of Quark. Oh, oh, House of Quark's next. Oh, okay. Hits keep coming. It's keep coming. So yeah, Quark's like, I'm yeah. getting my own way out of the Gamma Quadrant, and I'm heading all the way to the Beta Quadrant, to the Klingon homeworld. She's like, I don't care. I don't care about the Dominion. I don't care about the wormhole. I'm a science officer, but you know what? I care more about Klingon stuff. So I'm going to go to that. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically Jadzia in a nutshell. Yeah, Cisco. Cisco doesn't seem to be too mad that she go. She murdered the albino, or she ended in the. Uh, she's she's like, you know what? I don't really care. You know, I just science. Whatever. I don't need to do that. How could Cisco <laughs> be mad? In his projected, I guess, fantasy, he betrays the entire Federation. <laughs> so, yeah. Staying <laughs> yeah. on the projection theory that I had, Jed Z is projection is that she's eventually going to be moved off the station it's, maybe that's a fear you know like maybe that's a fear she has right I yeah mean, because she be would fair, she didn't want to be on the lexington she has been like from the previous episode where she was talking about the odyssey and how they want her on the ship to previous attempts of losing her um, or um, losing the trail the trill symbiont the symbiote yeah. yeah right maybe she's a fear of being separated from from things whether it be her family or from herself or her whole self Just might have been that time that that guy john glover showed up and stole her uh yes. symbiote you know could have been some issues what now. did what did we learn about projection o'brien Jim Bernard kicking his butt in the camera. Yeah. Wait, he wasn't real, he O'Brien? In every oh. situation, he suffers. He was real, O'Brien. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he suffers. He's got. I love how he got thrown. His ass kicked. Of all the... people that gets thrown, like the my favorite part about that scene is that the Jemadar, for no reason, just picks O'Brien and not Bashir. You think it would be Bashir? He's usually the one who's annoying, but no, yeah. they he picks O'Brien because O'Brien must suffer. O'Brien O'Brien knows that. That's why he's the one that gets picked. That's why he's the one, yeah. And, and, and Bashir's the one who has to try to help him and act tough, but isn't really tough at all. Yeah. What a laugh. What a laugh. We've got a lot to learn. We've got a lot to learn, Mr. Jemadar. <laughs> <laughs> and then Eddington's like, no problem here. Why don't you, uh, why don't you F off? Ready. <laughs> yeah, Eddington sucks. I mean, especially in this episode. I mean, he's not real Eddington, though. So uh, I think he's a close enough approximation from the. Yeah. 
Yeah, real Eddington probably would have not cared at all either. Yeah, I don't think Eddington, oh. real Eddington would have done much better. <laughs> probably not. Um, Javert. Javert. Um, is that it for, for this week here? Or do we want to talk about what's coming up on our uh, sister channels? Uh, or, our family of networks and family podcasts? Of- Yes, our family network and all kinds of things so much that we can't even get all the promotional artwork done in time. But get Disney Plus, man. Forget Disney Plus. We got all kinds of things. First of all, I want to shout out the fact that I I recently guested on Dylan Gonzalez's podcast, Defenders of the Cake. So if you haven't heard that podcast, go check out that interview over there. What's the episode called? uh, It's um, uh, it's a Canadian reference. Sorry, do you, do you know? <laughs> because I can't remember right now. Um, well, I can't remember, but it was a Canadian reference. This Canadian Star Trek. Reference. It was. It was. Something beam, me, beam me up, Scotty A, or something like yeah. that. I gotta uh, talk to him about his um his titles. Live long and prosper, A. That's what it was. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, because uh, you know Star Trek and Canada. And so, like like Eddington, uh, all comes full circle. So check out Defender, check out Defenders of the Cake. Um, also on Live Long and Podcast, we do Tuesdays, D Space Nine, obviously Wednesdays original series. As we're finishing, we're on the we're in the back half of the episodes. We're we're scratching off, crossing off episodes of the original series as we're going to watch all seventy nine, not in order. So check that out. We'll be at eight o'clock tomorrow Wednesday night to talk about uh, the next episode over there. Which I don't remember this exact moment. Does anyone Changeling? else remember the chain? No, we did that last week. Uh, sorry, we're doing the man the man trap this week. I'm sorry, and we're doing the man trap tomorrow night. And then uh, on well, I think that's it. On Saturday night, we're going to be doing Star Trek Radio Theater. We're going to be doing Star Trek Voyager this week. I don't even have a cast together. I don't even have a poster together. But we know <laughs> we're, go- we're going to be going uh, when uh, Saturday night to do Star Trek Voyagers living witness which is the episode which is the closest thing they have to a mirror episode so um we'll be coming out with that and uh even though this will be coming after trivial debates i do have this poster ready uh sorry this is trivial debates we're coming after the radio theater on saturday night uh on trivial debates our other channel jeff's gonna be hosting on uh on sunday you'll be uh with jameel competing we also have chris seymour and we're gonna have jessica chan uh fighting for the first time ever so this is going to be a fun one we got some great interesting questions here um and also uh you're know, bringing Eamon mater will be helping me on the back back half doing some fact checking and other uh, services so it's gonna be uh exciting times uh and super mater brothers podcasting not this week but next week we'll be coming back into production as big brother canada will premiere on march third wednesday and fourth it will be a two-night premiere and then we'll be getting into a a regular monday wednesday thursday do i have that right uh for um for for big brother canada nine as uh as they'll be getting off jeff jeff are you getting excited for that no okay (laughs) (laughs) can't wait for our excited about it uh we'll see we'll see when it when it comes on yeah the cast we gotta see the cast gotta see I uh, will. Will the game even finish? Last time we had a Big Brother Canada season, David didn't, you know, finish. So it didn't finish because there was a pandemic. It wasn't their fault. No, what is it? Was their fault? Pandemic that last year pandemic. Wow. That like so yeah, it was. It, they were, it was like a year ago. They <laughs> ended that season like they were because when all the it was just with all the stay at home lockdowns yeah. really kicked in last year. They had to shut it down. 
because uh, the production it was more the staff the production staff the people in the house were already isolated and canada just has stricter regulations i think than like maybe the well, they should have figured out the loopholes which i think they did this season which is uh you can stay open if um what is it like television productions now are able to stay open so um hairdressers now are are um are like not hairdressers they're like you can film your demo reel while you do your hair oh right? if it's for and entertainment purposes you have yeah, like exemptions that's how they're able to stay open it's it's very um very ingenious that, um, there you go beat the system yeah yeah all right well let's close the book on the search oh <laughs> for <laughs> all of us here <laughs> and live long and podcast we we just want to say to you Keep it going. Live long and podcast and uh, keep it real. Keep, keep, keep. <laughs> the worst. All right. All right. <laughs> okay. I thought I would train wreck it just to screw it. Oh, thank you.